Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the AVP Galaxy podcast. This is the 27th podcast, and with me here today is your administrator, Corporal Hicks. Hello. And for the site staff, we have Xenomorphin. Hi. And uh, as you probably guess, I am Ridgetop. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the uh, recent comic crossover series, which was the Fire and Stone series. Um, that went through Aliens, Predator, Prometheus, and AVP. Um, it concluded a little while back, and we've been meaning to kind of just discuss what we thought about it and uh, kind of go over it and, and talk about things we like, things that might have been better, and maybe some of my ideas if, if they're going to do another one. So, Hicks, why don't you start off? What did you think about the, the series overall? Okay. Well, you know what? I've, I've really been struggling to sort of nail my thoughts down. Um, the series finished in February time, and I've been trying to write my reviews, and I just can't seem to really decide what I what I thought. Um, you know, everything I was sort of putting down felt very contradictory. Because on the one hand, I enjoyed a lot of aspects of it. On another hand, it felt very empty, like nothing happened, but stuff did happen. And uh, I just I couldn't get my head around my my opinions of it. So I'd, I'd say overall it was, I was very confused and mixed as to what I felt of it. Um, what about yourself? Um, I mean, overall, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I definitely think that it had its issues. Uh, it was the first time we've ever really seen a crossover story between, like, under the different license titles. Like, you had a Predator series that had aliens in it and stuff like that. Mm. Um Overall, I thought the art was was really well done. Uh, each series had its own unique art style. There were a couple of quirks I had about the art, um, namely in in the Aliens one. Yeah, I remember that. Sight unseen, <laughs> thanks to you. Yeah, I'll, I'll bring that up a bit later. But um, overall, I, I thought it was pretty good. I think it was more of a Prometheus story than mm. anything else. And like Prometheus, I think it raised more questions than it answered. Completely agree there. Um, but but hopefully it'll, it'll lead into a sequel. I know some of the uh, the writers have talked about that. Um, Xenomorphin, have you read it? Yeah, I am. Um, originally, I was only going to read the Aliens and Prometheus stuff just because I'm doing like a fan film of my own, and I want to make sure. Oh, are they? thought of any ideas I had by coincidence and then I thought well no I'll read the whole thing so I I didn't read it through like a you know physical version I got it through the Dark Horse digital download thing um I loved the artwork especially in the Prometheus um story um but I did felt by the time I finished the entire thing I hadn't kind of like learn anything from it it didn't kind of like go very far story-wise um some of the storylines did feel a bit of a convoluted mess um there is a certain character in it which I'll, i'm guessing i'll probably get onto later who i i felt should have had featured less in it maybe somehow um but i, I felt I think overall, as I said earlier, I think it's more of a style over substance thing. 
Um, I, I get what Hicks was talking about in terms of trying to do a review of it, because some of the... I know it's meant to be one whole thing, but some of the storylines going one place and then they lurch to another place and then they lurch to another place. And I'll say you don't really get that feel of traction. Um, some characters like um, what how, I won't say exactly what it is for anyone who hasn't read it yet, but there is a character right at the end of the um, I think the Prometheus story who something happens and then that's it. It's like I felt, oh, where's the other page? But that was it. The story ended there. So, um, yeah, I, I, the action was nice. But, again, there are places where it's meant to be, you know, aliens and predators are fighting one another. And I remember in some of the pre-launch hype, there was um, one of the writers, I think, or might have been an artist, was saying, well, the problem with some of the previous AVP stories is there hasn't been enough... Alien versus Predator action on the page, and I know a lot of people in the forums were, by the end of reading this, they actually felt the same about this. So, um, in terms of what we were hyped up for, I don't quite think it delivered. Okay, that's fair enough. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that definitely. Um, another thing with that is that they were talking about going into some of the questions Prometheus raised and, and answering a few of them, and I don't think they really got into that no. too much as, as well. They, they um, rose I more mean, questions, far more questions than gave answers. Uh. Yeah, and the main thing that that I'm referring to here is the black goo. Like, one of the main characters was was talking about that and, and perhaps, like, echoing some theories that fans had come up with, but that's really all he was doing was speculating. There wasn't any definitive yeah. revelations that we saw about that. No. In fact, it made it a. If you're, I'll put it this way: if you are gonna think about getting this comic and you haven't seen it already, and you're thinking, ah, I saw that bit of preview art where I think it was one of the covers to it where they saw lots of like deacons, and you're wondering what will happen to the deacon, what will happen to it. It gives a kind of made-up answer for what might have happened to it, but when you actually look at what their explanation is for what's happened to the deacon it is an incredibly what the fuck moment and you think to yourself why did i go down that route <laughs> well we it could literally does not make well, much sense well we could talk about that one when we get to uh when we get to omega yeah. um i figured we'd um we'd sort of break the discussion down into into the individual series um Prometheus was launched first, but it doesn't take place first chronologically. It's Aliens, and I think the series as a whole, as a whole feels more like Aliens, the story of Aliens, which is quite contained, and then the whole arc from Prometheus AVP, um, Predator, and then Prometheus Omega. So, so we'll start with Aliens. Um, so it takes place. 50, 60 years before the rest of the series. I can't remember exactly, but it's it takes place um, during Aliens, and then um, sort of a couple of months after. Before um, the Marines get there. Yeah. So um, it starts during the uh, the infestation um, of the colony, and um, a small group of survivors escape on a um, 
what do they call it? A, a, mine, a sort of orb, suborbital mining ship. Yeah, it, um, it's ship. meant to um, get supplies mm. from in-orbit ships, but um, yes. Now, it's worth pointing out that um, it's, it's quite a piece of um, revisionist history, yes. revisionist um, continuity, yeah. in that it actually has a small, pe- a small group of colonists um, escape um, escape it was like 20 hope. or 30 of them, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think somebody in the forums mentioned 38. Which is... Which, which definitely contradicts yeah. the whole um, PDT scanners. Well, see, that's what, I was, that's what I was going to yeah. mention. Okay, go um, Well, ask and sort of how I think, um, what you guys think, because it's the first thing you notice. Um, you know, oh, cool, these guys survived, but wait a minute. Um, yeah. I, I personally thought... It made sense that they would have some sort of orbital skip like that. You know, it makes sense that they'd need to um, get ore up into orbit, so I didn't question that. Um, I also didn't question that people might have tried to use it. It would have made sense as that being an escape method. But as with River of Pain, while it all made sense, it doesn't jive with aliens. Because, um, you know, when they find the PDTs, it's that's all of them well, looks like all of them whatever um, yeah. looks like they're having a town meeting yeah. so you could see so, saying well they're not any of them missing they're all yeah exactly so as the first thing to sort of really jump out how did you guys feel about that piece of revisionist history well there was definitely some serious retconning that they did um, to be honest I didn't mind it too much but yeah I definitely felt kind of forced um, I think there was another short comic that was in part of like a, a Dark Horse anniversary series or something like that. Field report mentions it. Yeah, yeah it was a right. short in. I think it was one of the Dark Horse presents one of the reissues of that. So I thought that was a neat little comic, and that kind of tied it in even more. Um, but one of the things I was kind of like confused about was why they would go to LV-223 if they thought it was a lifeless planet. They would probably have a better chance of surviving <laughs> if they had just stayed in orbit. Like, but, um, I don't know, perhaps like the ship only had limited oxygen, but even then, as far as they knew, the planet mm. was completely um, uninhabitable, so... yeah. But, but overall, you? I didn't find the, the retconning to be too big of an issue. It it just, you know, like out of the shadows, it felt a little pushed in there. But I could still kind of roll with it, I guess. Because mm. it, it would make sense that that kind of thing would be there. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, I'm, like you said, Hicks, um, I had a big problem. With, it was one of those moments where you can say, yeah, if there's a small group of them, like, you know, a type of a... Ripley, Lambert, Parker sort of group going up there. I can almost buy it because you can say, well, Hudson might have been thinking in terms of, you know, give or take a few, that's all. Mm. But it's a relatively large number of them. Plus, when you're actually seeing, um, like, the action at Hadley's Hope before they lift, lift off, you're seeing aliens just outright killing people. They're not abducting them. And at that point, I'm thinking, well, what would be the point of just taking the dead bodies back? They don't need to make eggs. Um, so you're, it just didn't quite jive for me in terms of linking to aliens. It's not something where I can say, yeah, I could kind of see this as canon. 
because of the number of people and because you saw aliens just killing colonists left, right and centre, even in the colony. For me, that didn't quite work. Um, it, it, the other thing is, I think, um, what was his name? Um, was it Derek or... Um, Russell. It wasn't Derek, was it? It's yeah, Derek, Derek, Derek Russell. Um, I, from what I remember, wasn't there a thing people were raising on the forum about he said that he'd been running... Yeah, um, the terraforming He'd been running project. the terraforming operation for four years. I've got it written down here. Um, there's no mention of Simpson and Lydecker in Selm sometime later as a character saying, um, they're old boss, Simpson. Mm. And yet, you know... I know that doesn't jive, does it? Yeah. Simpson is there. Simpson the... and Lydecker are, right, are running the whole thing. Christopher Golden... Um, who wrote the third Titan book, uh, River of Pain, tries to sort of deal with that. In the um, Derek is the the chief engineer of the atmospheric processor, whereas um, Simpson is the administrator of the colony. So it sort of tidies that up. But the the comment um, towards him being more of a hard ass than Simpson sort of ruins sort of ruins the effort that Golden did in tidying that little moment up. <laughs> um, but you know what it's it like with these kind of weird. things. You would have expected them to be referencing Simpson mm. Lydeck as the people in charge of it or whatever. I guess they weren't in... Well, I suppose the impression that we get of um, Simpson isn't that he's the kind of guy that, that, that Russell was because, you know, Ru- Russell's shown as a bit more of an enterprising go-getting yeah, kind but, of guy. I mean, if... If you're having, this is the equivalent of, you know, people evacuating a sinking ship and they're going in a lifeboat. Um, if you're going to go to the point as a writer, if you're going to make a point of mentioning Simpson, you, you know, it, you might as well have um, Derek Russell as just like a random guy or, you know, he, he's, he's, a, he's a plumber or he's an electrician or something like that. It, it, if you're going to make a point of mentioning that, the moment you mention that, it, it, you think, wait, what about Simpson? And so, you know, for, for just a, a casual viewer, it, it won't matter. But as someone who's like watched Aliens and you're thinking, does it does it feel like it fit? It's one of those moments like the fact that there's a, a relatively large, compared to the number of people that's meant to be in the colony, a relatively large people who, number of people who actually escape. Mm. Um, so they do kind of may not cringe but you know they do make you go wait yeah, oh yeah. I hope this is going to be explained and then it doesn't ever get explained. it's just like put out there so um, yeah it's it, canon wise it's um, it's one of those things that made me think by the end of it they shouldn't have come from Hadley's Hope they should have come from you know a randomly named colony mm. or you could have said that they arrived on LV223, I think it is, and you could say, well, they're, you know, they got in an escape pod from a ship that got infested. And you wouldn't have to go into the backstory. That could be left for, like, a prequel. And you could just immediately get into the story of, you know, the planet where Prometheus happened. Mm. I felt that by making them Hadley's Hope, you know, it just felt so shoehorned. Yeah, it just, yeah. They should have just not done it in the first place. It felt like... A fan service thing, just so they could call it Aliens, where they should have just called the whole series AVP with engineers in it. I wouldn't even call it that. <laughs> See, for um, me, that's how it felt. No, I'm I'm with you there. Um, I I think it was more if for they the had um, just not done the Hadley's Hope thing. It would have been fine. No, you're you're right in that it would have standard stood alone far better as as it being something yeah. original. Um, exactly. Yeah. I feel it was more for that um, 
that cliffhanger from Prometheus issue one, um, where yeah. where it's sort of like it's from the Hadley's Hope, and then you know next issues Aliens one, so it seemed more of a impact narrative thing at that point more than anything. But yeah, it, it would have made more sense for it to not them to have not come from the colony because it doesn't actually bring anything to the story. I don't feel because uh, you go back to that cliffhanger thing and you see like on um, I don't know how you pronounce it, but Onager or whatever. That could have just as easily been you know, a transport ship or shuttle from another ship. Or it says Hadley's you hope on the side some... of it, if I remember rightly. Did it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I'd um, go back and look at it. But even then, you don't need to have no. had these hope birds. Um, oh, no, it, it was it was just more for the, oh, shit, kind yeah. of um, kind It, it of was just a fan service. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, One of the things I found interesting was that there's two colonial marines that are stationed on Hadley's Hope, and uh, they're only briefly seen in the comic, but they're significant characters in the novel River of Pain. Um, and it seems like Fox is making a real effort to just kind of tie in the different forms of media now in relation to these franchises. Uh, they seem very keen on um, keeping it tightly sort of condensed and connected, um, you know, with with um, Out of the Shadows being a retcon of Ripley's um, drifting in space and then um, yeah. Sea of Sorrows being tied genetically to Ripley's family. And then, of course, this um, the third book being, um, you know, being during Aliens, during that, the infestation of Hadley's Hope, um, which I kind, I kind of like the intent behind, but sometimes it seems just a little too forced. Well, it's about the execution. Well, I'll, I'll just say it does seem that you're seeing them using pulse rifles and stuff, and it, you know, okay, you you can, you know, you can let it slide, but it does feel a bit weird when you see the Marines going first in the film going through the colony and they're saying, you know, small arms fire and seismic survey charge. You'd think if they're colonial Marines there, A, they'd have, you know, grenades for the pulse rifles and I'm sure a, a bunch of other things as well. But, um, yeah, I don't quite like the feel of <laughs> <laughs> having colonial marines there just for no. the sake of yeah colonial marines oh just to go slightly off topic um yeah with with river of pain um the the story that chris um chris golden sort of wrote and the reasons for why that there'd be a colonial marine presence there it all made sense um, to me, yeah, it, it no, I, I can buy the logic, mm. but it, it it feels it doesn't weird. change the you fact know, that it's aren't... not in the film. It's not mentioned yeah, what, in the film. Why aren't Hicks and Napone and that looking for the going, ammo? Well, we'll head over. The, yeah, we'll head over. Yeah, the ammo, as you say. Why aren't we heading over there to see what the data logs say? No, but there'd be reasons for them to head to whatever the Colonial Marine Detachment office thing. Yeah, is yeah. No, I'm I'm with you there. I'm completely with you. Um, so that's the problem as much as it all makes sense and you know it's the problem we're faced with at the start of aliens as much as it makes sense it doesn't change the fact that it's not in the films yeah. and, it, and it stands out um which can be kind of distracting for the reader yeah. so uh, yeah i think we all agree that that's a bit that was a bit of annoyance um so you know that, that that's the first 10 pages of the of the comic <laughs> there um so yeah, they they, they land on uh, they land on the moon, on uh, LV two twenty three or two thirty three. I can't remember which. Um, whichever two twenty three, two twenty three, whichever yeah, Prometheus is set on, and 
they find a jungle, you know, a, a whole ecosystem, and it's 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 um, set well, another three or four months after the crash land of these guys trying to sort of survive on the planet. Um, unbeknownst to nearly everybody, but one character, alien, snuck aboard uh, aboard the skiff and get loose on on the moon. So there's months of these guys trying to um, trying to fortify themselves, trying to survive. Um, not only the alien alien jungle, but as a alien without the capital A, um, and then of course the the Xenos themselves. Now it felt to me like the, the you know issues um, last half of issue one, two, and three that it feels like not very little happens. It feels like the same arguments um, again, the same uh, same stuff coming up again. Um, yeah. Even though stuff did happen, you know, there's there's all this stuff with the the black goo and um, the the alien mutating with um, with one of the human characters. Um, stuff is actually happening, but for some reason it doesn't feel like anything's happening, which is why I I said at the beginning that I felt contradictory when I'm trying to when I was trying to write my thoughts down. Um, so I, I, I don't. It felt like a lot of filler. Yeah. But yeah. Then, I mean, on on the other hand, Derek's getting frustrated himself with um, the same arguments coming up again, and it sort of goes off onto his his musings about what's happening on the planet and um, all the bits and bobs. So it just it feels like it's meandering more than anything, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's got these. He's got these pages to fill, but they can't they can't do too much with it in case they step on the toes of Prometheus too. <laughs> yeah, that's how I felt. Yeah. Um, what about you guys? And Russell, um, he finds like one of the the mapping balls from uh, Prometheus. I thought and that so was a sees... good plot point. Yeah. Yeah, I, I did too. And he sees a lot of the recordings that were taken of that. He sees what happens to the Prometheus crew. And then it kind of gets into like a, a castaway type vibe, I guess, where mm. he sets up his own little hideout in this cave, and he starts kind of hypothesizing on on what the black goo does and what the history of this place is. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting, but at, near the end, I felt like it got short. Uh, it got cut short. He was mm. about to kind of get yeah. his revelations um, based on something that he had just discovered. And and then it just gets cut off. So I feel like like you guys were saying, they couldn't really go too far as as far as answering the questions because of you know what direction Prometheus two might go in. So it felt like the whole series was kind of limited in what it could do. Like it just kind of uh, speculated and elaborated on a lot of the questions Prometheus had, but it didn't really delve into any of them. Uh-uh. And in terms of the series. Uh, the comic series as a whole, the the aliens um, book only really seemed to serve the point of getting the aliens on the planet and having um, all Derek's um, musings written down for the Prometheus crew to pick up. Uh, not the Prometheus crew. Um, shit, what do they call it? What's the ship? The Jerion Armada, yeah. I think, right? Oh, yeah. I can't remember. Um, yeah, he writes the Jerion. Um, for their crew to pick up and go, oh, 
it does this rather than having to um, figure it out for themselves. So that it feels like it doesn't doesn't do too much other than cut short the um, cut short the amount of time that is needed in the Prometheus comic. Yeah. So it, um, it 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 felt very like it served very little point in yeah, the overall. But, what you were saying about there, there's this argument between the because it's not um, uh, Derek initially. There are two kind of like colonists who try and take up like a leadership role, try to lead the rest of the survivors around, and Derek Russell is kind of like, almost an, like an observer to them. But you do, it's not just this um, now you've got to think these are two people, or a whole group who's just come from Hadley's Hope and you remember, you've watched Aliens and you remember, oh they've had that like, last stand scene and it was abs- must have been absolutely terrifying for people who lived through that. And you've got them pissing around with, the, with one guy saying, we should get the weapons, we should take the fight to the aliens. And the other one saying, no, we should barricade ourselves here. And you, you're thinking, if you've just been living through Hadley's hope, neither of those options would feel find, you find appealing. You, you'd be wanting to put as much distance between yourself and the aliens, who for some reason are just like biding their time. They're just not attacking the colonists, they're just leaving them for ages and then periodically there's one alien who attacks and you kill someone and then there's talking time and they enough talking time so they literally build like a small almost like a, a village thing with this compared to what an alien could do a very crude wooden wall around this thing and i'm thinking you've been trying to fend these things off with like you know seismic survey charges and things you, you know that's not going to hold um, so there's this kind of like survivalist mentality that doesn't work when you're in not just against aliens, but you're in this massively Lovecraftian ecosystem. Um, the story, because it didn't lead anywhere, there's just this bickering and Derek Russell's doing his own thing. Um, it kind of did feel a bit painting by numbers at that point. There wasn't like any real tension or horror they were just like random deaths presented in comic format. Um, but it does feel more glaring because they are on this entire planet of these predatory things. And, and the reader, they got no reason to assume that the, the xenomorphs are necessarily any worse than what's already out there. Um, but we just have these little periodic, you know, it's a comic panel where an alien leaps down on a boat. And, you know, it's you don't get that same, it's an alien story. It just feels like it's a random monster story. But they, they, it does, it did start to dig at me when they, they just kept on doing this endless bickering of we should attack no we should stand our ground we should attack we should stand our ground and all the other survivors you know they're just kind of like letting these two characters take the lead and arguing between but they, they don't go anywhere just, and you start to think if you guys get eaten you almost deserve it because you're, you're not just you're just not thinking in a common sense way and also just before i go i, I just thought um there was what i felt a wasted subplot where you as the reader know they are ingesting stuff that has been mutated by by this black ooze from Prometheus and they're constantly 
eating it, drinking it, whatever they're doing. And nothing is really happening on that spot. And you'd think that would be happening to all of them because you'd think, ah, they've gone down to the planet where Prometheus happened. They've got this whole ecosystem that happened. As soon as they start ingesting this stuff, mad shit is going to happen. And mad shit didn't quite really happen. It just happened in very limited individual cases. Thought that was a bit of a wasted, um, you know, it felt a bit of a squandered potential there. The thing is, they, they do make a, um, they do make a point of showing that some of the vegetation has been affected rather badly from the goo. Yeah. Um. So you know, whilst whilst it doesn't um, doesn't really get off into all the the madness of the infections and anything, they do sort of slightly handle it in that they try not to eat anything that's, you know. It looks hinky. Yeah, but as some, but you know they are eating and drinking. Mm. They haven't brought anything. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it, it's it's a soft point, but they are the the writer does sort of, you know, this this isn't this isn't folk. Don't worry, they're not gonna go crazy. But the the the, the action of of that series is is as a, a result of of the black goo, which is. Um, the sort of melding of um, a human and a and an alien when they come yeah. in contact with the stuff, which which causes all this acid blood to go away for no reason, yeah. and turn red. I don't know how I felt about that. <laughs> that I mean, whole it made melt. Sense, you know, a spear goes through it, which I thought, you know, a spit. You know, you've seen an yeah. alien get harpooned and it's still fine, but you know, it goes through it, and the guy who spears it should have been covered in acid and it just doesn't it's just a red mm. splash so it seemed to it seemed to take on more more human traits which was mm-hmm. which was disappointing to me i mean that yeah. derek sort of um you know is hypothesizing that there's some sort of like melding of genetic codes that the black goo causes a mix because of course later on um, one of the other characters um sort of comes in contact with the goop and and um, alien as well, but rather than blending together, he becomes very sort of um, a Firefield-ish um, kind of mutant yeah. who who does not get along with the aliens, but apparently is quite strong now. Um, so it's it's like I was saying earlier, it felt to me that you didn't really learn much and that nothing happened, but on the, the other hand, it does seem like lots of stuff happened. So you know, while all this melding of genetic codes was going off and Derek's hypothesizing it's only hypothesizing it you know it doesn't really yeah. doesn't really say anything solidly unlike no. in Prometheus the goop seems to have different reactions in similar situations so it it felt very I've just read I've just spent an hour or so reading this and all this stuff's happened but at the end of the day what have I what have I really learned? Um, yeah. I mean, um, Ridgetop was saying earlier about the about the the ending, and um, you know it, it seems then and there that Russell's going to get these answers, the reader's going to get these answers. What's going to happen? And it just it abruptly ends, yeah. which which is a problem I think that the series had as a general. There's a lot of abrupt endings in it. It's a lot of anticlimax. Yeah. That's the problem. Very, it's very sort of open-ended as to as to keep the options open to keep the story, um, keep the story going, yeah. um, 
Bridgetop, what did what did you think about all the um, the DNA melding and all the black goop stuff in it? I thought it was interesting that the xenomorph didn't seem altered too much. Like the human character, he was completely mutated when he like fused with the xenomorph, but the xenomorph just looked like a regular xenomorph carrying around this human mutation. Like it, it almost made me wonder if the black goo didn't really affect the aliens too much. Although we see later on the series that that it does uh, with a queen alien, uh, at least to some degree. But I, I thought that was kind of interesting, and, and they mentioned briefly with, uh, I think his name was Gale or something like that, that becomes like the Fife Field type mutation yeah. you were talking about, that an alien was holding on to him when he was exposed, um, but he was exposed to a smaller amount, so instead of fusing with the alien, somehow his body like took some of the genetic... Uh, material or something like that from the alien and it kind of um, I guess influenced his mutation so he had some xenomorph traits um, when he mutated although they didn't fuse together like like the previous character did um, but overall it was it was the same as Prometheus you know it was very arbitrary not not really too much explained they do kind of theorize about the goo like, Obviously, it's some sort of genetic accelerant, but what was its purpose? What was it used for? And there's different effects based on how much is used. Um, but, I mean, that's nothing we didn't know already. So, I mean, it, it was interesting, the mutation, but, I mean, I've never been a fan of the whole black goo idea anyway. So, it, uh, I mean, it, it worked for the series, but I wasn't crazy about it. Uh, okay. Well, should we move on to Prometheus, then? Let's do it. Okay. So we skip ahead. Um, you know, we, we don't know what's happened to Derek. Um, the rest of the colonists are dead. And there's this weird mystery um, re- revolving around the black goo and this, um, this pyra- uh, not pyramid, this uh, mountain, um, which we haven't mentioned, but um, there's a mystery in the series about this mountain that appears to be growing and changing. No, it's it's mentioned ever so slightly in, in Aliens. It's it's not even properly explained, even in Omega. Uh, yeah. It's like they they speculate that it could be this and that, and mm. then you're never really given a definitive answer. Yeah. Well, we'll bitch about that when we get to Omega. But yeah, um, so the Prometheus series is very much part one of the of the main arc, the main bulk of the. Um, the story. Oh, oh, shit. We didn't we didn't talk about the artwork. I know you. Yeah, with um, real real quickly the artwork for aliens. I thought the artist did an amazing job as far as the the human characters go, and as far as the environments, the landscapes, the ships, and everything like that. It was really well done. It had almost kind of a a watercolorish type quality about it. Um, but one of the things I thought was kind of weird when I was first reading it was. The first thing that popped into my mind was these aliens all look like posed NECA figures. And sure enough, I, I kind of dived into the forms and I found this artist technique was actually to use human actors, uh, photograph them, and then he would kind of trace the humans and build the scene around them. Um, I mean, he's still a very good artist, but as far as the aliens, they're really 
did not like the route he took with that. He just took figures, he posed them, and he essentially traced them. And, and their hands are in the very same position in each frame. Um, and I'm like, come on. I mean, you couldn't... Re- if you want to use that as a base of reference, I understand. I mean, I, yeah. I'm an artist. I kind of know that you need reference, of course. But but it just had such a trace quality about the aliens. It it made them seem very static. Yeah. Like there's, they were there's no the motion same pose with their mouth hanging open. Yeah. So I, I didn't think the alien art for the aliens themselves was that great, which was a shame because I really liked the overall artistic look of that whole series. Um, but... Yeah, I thought the alien art was kind of a wash for me. And annoyingly, once you pointed it out, I couldn't unsee it. Um, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it gives it a very... I mean, the, the opening panel is um, a sort of traceover of a screenshot from um, Clone of Marines. Yeah. Which gave it a very sort of lazy feel to it, if if you knew that, and if you noticed those moments, which was a shame. Um Especially with with the poses, making it feel far less far less in motion than. Well, it's like the someone's other bits. taken a screenshot of a film and run a, like a a paint filter over it in Photoshop and going, look, it's an original piece of art. But as soon as you realise it's a screenshot, you go, oh, that's not quite as original as I hoped. Yeah, yeah. Alright. So sorry, I was about to talk about the art for Prometheus. That's why it made me remember that we hadn't. We hadn't had that moment for aliens. I will say that I, I, I thought the, the artwork in the aliens story, the the first of the Fire and Stone thing, I, I thought it was decent. Mm. I, I didn't really have any uh, massive... Apart from the aliens. <laughs> that that problem then, with I the aliens. You know, it is not exactly Sam Keith. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm I've got nobody Sam Keith. Yes, they were, yeah, they were based on action figures, but you know, you know they were decently... Done on that. Yeah. There were some very nice sort of um, sort of panels, especially yeah. in the last issue. I thought um, of Aliens. There was some nice um, nice panels with with his style, which worked very well for me. Um, I can't remember the artist's name. Um, you have to forgive me there. Uh, Patrick Reynolds, okay. the artist. Okay. Um, so there were some nice moments in um, in the last issue. I thought with, with his Aliens. So, you know, it wasn't all doom and gloom. It wasn't all terrible. But yeah, I'd... and I mean, his final his final mutated character, um, that was an original creature. Hmm. So, I mean, he I don't think he traced that from anything. So he obviously has the ability there. You know, like you were saying, Xenomorph, and it just seems kind of like he took the lazy route with the aliens yeah. of just kind yeah, of tracing the figures. Um, I, d- I don't feel that it, it was anywhere up to scratch with Prometheus, though. No. I thought Prometheus no. was a gorgeous looking um, straight from the first the panels um, and, and actually I feel that Prometheus um, Predator and Omega are probably some of the best drawn series as we've had since um, since uh, Den Bouvet's uh, Nightmare Asylum not not quite up to I agree with that yeah. Yeah. Don't, I don't think it's quite as amazing as Den Bouvet, but it was definitely up there, just below him, um, which is, is something that you'll notice pretty much straight away. Which was I found really refreshing when it came to reading Prometheus, because I sort of, you know, got got used to mm, average, mm, questionable kind of artwork. Um, so that was that was a really good positive for me. Now, the Prometheus series is um, 
based around this fleet of um, fleet of ships, um, the, the Gerion fleet, and it's like a mothership, a, um, a sort of patrol ship, um, science ship, land it, that all that kind of thing. I think it was three ships, three or four ships. I did, yeah, I think it was three because they have the they have some dialogue about them being named after a, a trio of um, mythical figures. I think something to do with um, a multi-headed creature. Yeah. I don't remember. yeah. It yeah. was it was three ships and they all attached to a mothership. Okay, and the mothership was um, was the engines basically, and you know they they're there on a salvage mission, and what for some reason the captain hasn't told them, which I don't know why this no, um, why this was kept a secret, was that she was hunting down um, the Prometheus. She was hunting down the rumours that you know um, Wayland had died off planet. And I have no idea why the plot decided that needed to be a secret. Because it made no sense to me. Um, had no real bearing on it other than it created a bit of mistrust between the crew and her. But it's needless mistrust. Right. Yes, exactly. It doesn't. The series doesn't really play on it. Because the rest of the series also tends to be around her being the the moral compass, I guess. Um, when stuff starts to hit the fan with some of the characters later on and one of them does questionable experimentation on another member of the crew. So it it seemed early on like a very pointless, you know, plot point. I don't know why it was done. Um, One of the things I kind of figured was behind that was that she didn't want word to get out what they were going for, otherwise another ship might have beaten them to it. Yeah. Yeah. If nobody's done it by now, you know, they're not going to be in sudden competition with someone. Um. But yeah, so they're there, and that's what they're there for. And they head down, and they're also surprised to find this this thriving ecosystem. And you know, a lot of a lot of the first issues sort of treading familiar ground of what's covered in this in the comics of you know holy shit how's all this here um discovering the black goo um realizing it has something to do with with what's happening and then it ends on on the bombshell of them discovering this um the onager the the skiff from lv426 and then that then leads into um them unleashing more aliens onto the um I won't say more aliens, I guess they sort of moved there after all the humans had been dealt with. Um, yeah. But stirring the ant's nest, that, that's, let's say that, and um, you know, unleashing them on the crew. And then it sort of turns into more of an aliens, it says Prometheus on, on the title, but it then becomes more of an aliens, an aliens uh, story. Which yeah. I am not don't particularly have a problem with, the whole series was very sort of crossovery, And... Well, it was a crossover. It was a big crossover event. Yeah. Um, so I didn't didn't have a problem with that. Um, and to be fair, I actually rather liked the Prometheus series. But there were a few things in it that were a bit iffy for, for a lot of people. And that is the main story that is Elden and the Black Go. 
it should be pointed out it wasn't planned that well from what i've been able to pick up in interviews they have like for instance the prometheus style suits and they said they were going to set it back then but mm. then they had a lot of story meetings and they decided to set it way from that perspective way in the future after the events of aliens i think in um 2219 yeah, 22 something, something. It's so um, yeah gap. there's some discrepancies in you know, clothing stars and technology and stuff there's even like um you know that it only took the marines about three weeks to reach lv-426 from earth in aliens and yet this is set way further in future and they've been asleep for two years so that's why there are those yeah, well i suppose we don't know where they've come from but um it is worth pointing out that yes, that it was going to be different. I mean, originally, um, you mentioned a cover with Deacons earlier. Yeah. Um, it was later changed for the release cover with Aliens, as we know them. Um, but from our uh, our interviews with the uh, the writers of the Fire and Stone series, it was originally going to be. Um, it was originally going to be about the Deacon sort of evolution to the Aliens as we know it. Um, a lesser form of alien. Yeah, but I that's think everyone pretty much surmised it meant. Well, I think I think I asked directly if if it were supposed to be the Deacons, and they said yes. So yeah, Chris Chris Sabella, the um, the writer of of Aliens vs Predator, sort of pretty much said that yeah, they were going to be Deacons. Didn't they have tails on that art though? I can't remember. Hang on, I used I used the artwork for um for one of the pictures uh, in the interview. Let's just have a quick scroll. I know there's at least one picture with those kind of creatures. It might have been that cover. Ah, uh, yeah, it looks like there's um, tails wrapping around Elden. Yeah. Um, so um, maybe it grew a tail. I don't know, but who knows what yeah. their plans were, other than that it was to sort of chart their evolution towards. Um, becoming aliens as, as we knew them um, but apparently that stepped a bit too close on yeah. what they wanted to do for Prometheus 2 so I guess maybe they'll they'll be exploring more of the Deacon um, for the next film who knows who knows how it's going to change um, but I'm, I'm not sure why why did I bring them up I'm terrible today. I can't really think what I'm trying to uh, say. We were talking about there were changes done in the... Um, yeah, oh, yeah, in the style. Yeah. yeah. So, so you know, there were multiple changes and stuff. I mean, the the, the art, the the environmental soup thing never really bothered me anyway. Um, so that, that didn't that didn't really get on my tits or anything. <laughs> um, what did you guys think about the, the crew and the human characters as a whole in the Prometheus series? Galgo was really interesting. They set him up quite well. Um, of course, he becomes quite important on the other series. As, so, you know, he's a bastard. But he was a fun bastard, and that's what's important when it comes to those kind of characters. Um, the, the the captain, like we were saying, the decision to keep the mission a secret was, well, it was a bit of a, a false step to start with, but I think she eventually became became quite likable in, in in her sort of anti um, anti experimenting kind of way uh, as the moral compass which which made her a bit strong you know, it made her stronger and made her later appearances more fun. Well not fun, more 
believable, I suppose would be the word. Um, and of course, Elden, who, who stays main character. Let's um, let's talk a bit about Elden. Um, you know, he's supposed to be this new type of. Well, it doesn't really explain it. Some sort of organic type robot. Well, he's not. According to the, in, I think you did the interview. Well, there's two. Um, one says one thing. The other guy says another thing. Yeah. They're called constructs, but then another character in one of the other series, he uses the... It's clear the term is being interchangeable. It's mm. synthetics and constructs. And then there's an interview our site did where one of the, the, um, the writers or artists, they said, um, oh, a construct is just a lesser form of synthetic, but happens to have what you call bio-blood. Mm. But um, all the rest of them are, you know... He said that Elden would be a higher functioning construct, but still not as good, which um, basically means he is a robot. Even Elden himself, there is a panel where he says, I'm not the dumb robot anymore. So he's definitely a synthetic. He's just got more like, organic blood. But that shouldn't have changed the rest of him. Well, I mean, obviously they wanted to do more with with him being some sort of biological creature. And Galgo full-on calls him a meat robot later, you yeah. know, signifying but, that there's a bit more to... they call those crash test dummy things. Yeah, they call them constructs so as well, so... It, it felt very... Sense. I think that should have been thought out more. Yeah, that felt very sort of inconsistent. You know, gave it more of a Prometheus feel to it, I thought. And unfortunately, when Elden gets changed, it starts to become less Prometheus and Aliens, like a more, like, The Thing... Or Resident Evil. Yeah, mm, I'm not sure about that because his his transformation, um, especially particularly in um, the Prometheus series, you know, when you sort of saw his his skin shedding off and um, becoming more um, more biomechanical, um, looked very sort of Gigaresh. And oh yeah, the aesthetic. Yeah, yeah. that that worked really well with for me. Right, that's enough of Prometheus. I think let's uh, let's go on to AVP. So yeah, it wasn't really much of an AVP story, which I think was a pretty pretty annoying problem that a lot of people had with it. Hmm. Yeah, it, it felt. I I don't know. It was. I definitely thought it was the weakest of all of the books, to be honest. Um, the alien and predator battles were just kind of a background thing, and it was uh, much more of a sideline to just this interlude of the Prometheus story that, that had all these weird mutants fighting each other. And he, even the predator, um, he was infe- infected by the black goo as well and turned into this this monster, and like he had an, an arm on his shoulder just like Elgin did, which was kind of Interesting, I thought, considering it's usually where a shoulder cannon mechanical arm is, but yeah. you know, he had a, a biological one there. So, um, yeah, I mean, even the artwork, it was very – the characters themselves were all right. I like the xenomorphs, but if you actually look at the environments, you can see a lot of repeated textures. Like, it was all just slapped together in Photoshop. Um, so the art was pretty average for me. I did like seeing more of the spaceship, but at the same time – the background art was a lot weaker than the foreground art, I thought. I thought sometimes it 
it, it felt very inconsistent because there were there were panels when it was, it looked really good you know every, everything was nicely detailed everything was nicely coloured and it all worked and then there was other panels where it just it felt very slapdash um, mm. you know um, colours um, washed out the details and it looked like the comics of old you know with, without really much visual quality so the inconsistency sort of went towards ruining it a bit for me uh, he, even even Alden he there's some frames where he just looks fantastic and you know you get to see more of this evolving uh, appearance that he's taking on over time and you get plenty of this weird mutated detail on him where it looks really cool and then there's others where it just looks like a crayon and <laughs> yeah, I, I found I found AVP to be pretty much like that overall. Where there's some moments where it's really cool, and some moments where it just doesn't know what it wants to do. Um, yeah, you know, because it's it's AVP where we sort of got the the startings of these potentially really awesome, um, really awesome notions from Elden. I mean, early early on, he's you know he's, he's going on about. Um, being able to perceive everything differently, and he knows the you know the past and the present and the future, and blah 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 blah. Yeah. And then it's yeah, it got a little bit Battlestar mm, Galactica. Then it starts to meander, and yeah, I thought I thought his whole conflict was um, well, the conflict and the resolution of it with with um, shit. Have I forgot his name again? Francis um, <laughs> was very sort of. <laughs> Meh, as well, very sort of slapdash in that because I didn't really, I didn't really buy it in, um, by how it concluded, because it was just sort of, oh, uh, okay, sorry, I, di- I didn't mean it all, all this shit, all this stuff that's just happened, yeah. I didn't yeah. mean it. Let's be friends, please. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. Um, that's what got me. The, the, the AVP, that it's it's here. That's where a lot of the mutation stuff really. Um, went a bit overboard like you've got um Elden and he's grabbed around the like the waist by a predator's trying to, you know, just run into him or something and his stomach literally turns into a mouth and bites him. That felt very video gameish to me. Um but it, it is when you mention like aliens versus predator, I always say on the forums that that should it should be portrayed as a true like um cosmic clash of the titans it needs to be something absolutely vicious and you you brings to mind stuff you know these really like landscapes and all the rest of it which you have in the prometheus series which is this very alien ecosystem um but something that harms this alien versus predator story is that it's it feels a lot more restricted and contained because it's largely taking place on these uh, like corridors in these spaceships, which I think hurts it a bit as well. It, it's not a very conducive environment for predators. Much better when they're it's an environment where they can be out in the open, um, and you you do have a lot of it's more about as you say it's Elden and Francis. It's not so much about Alien and Predator. The Alien and Predator stuff is almost incidental. It's like inevitable, but that's not what where the focus yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because it, it, it's very much... Um, it, it is an accident, isn't it, how they come in? 
Because yeah. the predators. And as you say, it. Sorry. Go on. I was just saying, it's, you know, the predators just happen to be knocking around and um, yeah. sort of latch onto it at the same time that Elden's come back with the aliens. It's. It's, it's not really the focus, yeah. is it? Because at that, at that no. point, it's jumping off point for Predator and then jumping off point for this mutation stuff. I mean, not necessarily that the mutation stuff is is a terrible concept, but when the series is called Alien vs. Predator, yeah, you have an exactly, expectation yeah. of, of the content. Because you're, not, because you're not buying it for Elden and France, you're buying it for Alien vs. Yeah. Predator. Um, but as you say, it's it's has this kind of like... A, a climactic part to this Elden and Francis stuff, and it it is a WTF moment because Elden, up to that point, he's been acting very like almost Freddy Kruegerish. He's very serial killerish, and he keeps threatening Francis left, right, and centre all over the place. And they meet, and then you know Francis goes Hulk, and then there there's this like philosophical heart to heart thing at the end. It, it doesn't. It the tone feels very. I mean, you know, it works for what it is, but it's not what you'd um, expect. Much less hopeful. Yeah, I think that about sums that up. I did like the uh, mutated predator. I will say, I like what they did with his um, his head. It became very spider-like, but without going. Like to this isn't a predator. It's still recognisably a predator. I like what they did to the head design on that. See, with the mutation stuff, I and I, I was never really sure how I felt about it because you have this this no. whole thing as well with Elden trampling some sort of fungus or whatever that's apparently all important because it's alive somehow. I yeah. don't know, and then. The the question of, of what the predator would be like if if it was um, if it, if it was infected, um, it was quite interesting. Um, but I don't know if I would have ever ever visualised it like that because I found I found no. it weird the the fingers thing. Well, you know, saying it looked kind of spidery. It, yeah. It, it was the fingery type things on the mouth that made it appear like yeah. that. I, Found that rather weird. Well, that and the eyes. They yes, very, I suppose like, they had multiple eyes. eyes. Yeah, that's what made me think more spidery. So in, I, I don't know really. I really don't know how I felt about it, to be honest. I, I, I don't think I had any particular strong opinions either way. No. Um, no. What about you, Ridgetop? Did you were you fond of? Yeah, I mean, it was that was the disappointing thing is you read an AVP comic expecting AVP, and and I mean. Not every AVP comic has to just be, you know, a battle between aliens and predators. There could be this other main story going on. I mean, one of my favorites in the series was AVP Eternal. And there really wasn't a whole lot of fighting in that except for a few scenes, but it was still a really good comic. I just felt that they went a little too far-fetched with the mutations, more so than any of the other books in this series. Yes. Um, And this one? Um, it was kind of an interesting dynamic between the Predators and Elgin. Um, one of the Predators ended up blooding Elgin after he killed some of the Predators out of respect, I guess. And that was kind of interesting. Also, um, he, he kind of mentioned that um, like they, like the engineers may have created the Predators. I, I'm not 
quite sure what he meant there, but I kind of took it as that um, when he was kind of on this tirade when he was fighting the Predators. Yeah, it's very ambiguous. I read that more of... um... Well, if if I remember rightly, the bit you're saying is when um, Elden's saying they created you're they they created this all, yeah. And I, I yeah. We, we gave you reason to fear nightmares or something. Well, there like was something about war as well as well as that. Um, you know, they created this war, and I sort of took that to be, you know, it's this really old civilization, and before they were all crawling out of the. Um, the primordial goos, they were already out there fighting stuff. That's sort of how I took it, but of course, like with all of this stuff, it's all conjecture, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, but and anything else to say about AVP, or should we move on to the next one? Um, uh, that's about it. It is, it is, as I said, it was they really go overboard with the mutation stuff. It, it, as I say, it, if any part of the thing feels very Resident Evil or the thing like this is the one, it it, it, it takes a quantum leap away from the um, like the Lovecraftian aspect and just goes full on video game. I think that's because Chris liked the body horror, though. I think that was. Yeah, but there are ways, like in The Fly, or the, you know, there are, or The Thing itself, there are ways to do body horror, um, but there, are, but then when you make it feel more like a video game, it, it, it you know, it, if anything, that it divorces the Irish horror aspect. That's fair enough. Massive. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's completely valid. I'm sure there are people out there. Just... Okay, well, I'll tell you what then, Let, let's move on to Predator. Because, um, you know what, this is the one I absolutely really loved. I thought Predator was a fantastic series. Um, it sort of runs parallel to AVP. Um, kicks off about the end of um, the end of issue one. Um, so, El- uh, not Eldon, um, Galgo has made it back. The Predators have shown up and shit start to get real. And he's, he's fucked off. He's had enough. Um, one particular predator chases him because he sees this um, engineer weapon that uh, Galgo pick, picked oh, up yeah. from from the planet from uh, LV223, and it's a predator that's um, after the engineers who gets nicknamed Ahab. Uh, I really liked Ahab. I really did because um, I like these ideas of these older predators who. Uh, you know, they seasoned, they've they've been through the battles, they've seen it all. And you do get to see um his encounters through um through you know various um various issues um of the series. It shows a lot of flashbacks and a lot of um his sort of discovery of the engineers. And I liked him having this sort of ongoing desire to find the engineers, and that really worked for me as a, as a sort of motivation for him. Yeah, I thought. Sorry, I thought Ahab was a really interesting looking predator, and uh, the way they they played him out and how he acted and his, you know, dynamic with Galgo was pretty cool as well. He was kind of like the wolf in a sense that yeah, he was older and more seasoned, and he had his own unique look about him, and I thought it really worked for the comic. Yeah, I don't recall. I could be wrong on this, but I don't recall. I know 
the predator, they see these like cave paintings like Shaw and Prometheus. They see these little engravings of the engineers and where they're meant to be. It's basically a predator version of Shaw. Um, but I don't recall anything in the actual paintings that it made sense for a predator to want to hunt an engine like a challenge because it looked like these were just teacher figures. They didn't look like um, you know, a warrior or anything, but it would go, ah, oh, that is a challenge, that is a trophy, that is something I want to we, hunt. So I could be we wrong know to me, it's, I mean, obviously in Prometheus they came up with the notion that they were humanity's creators. And, you know, whether he also gets this from, from all the other various um, alien paintings and stuff like that, what's a better hunt than a god? And it's it's something I, mm. I really... I mean, I'm I'm not too sure whether I like the idea of the engineers creating the predators, but I love the notion of which we we don't, we don't know. Yes, yes, we don't know, and that's why I'm like on two minds about it. Because a, I don't want the engineers being responsible for everything, but there's I love the idea of the predators hunting their creators, and I think it was in one of the yeah, yeah, and I think it was in one of the um. Was it in the background story for the first film? Was this idea of, of them, the Predators, having God... No, what am I thinking? I think I'm thinking Klingons from Star Trek here, where they killed their own gods. I think I'm getting mixed up with franchises. But, no, I love this idea of him going after it specifically because it's a god. So, yeah, I just sort of love this notion of whether it's their creators or or not, but the, the Predator loving the idea of hunting an, an actual god. And I think that's where the challenge sort of comes in for it, because it's like, yeah, fuck that, I'm going for that. And and those uh, panels as well sort of show a bit more expansion of of the lore as well, because you get, you know, you get a bunch of other alien races showing up, and you get to see that the engineers have done more than just humanity. Yeah, I like that aspect, yeah. I just think the Predator would have been a bit grumpy if it went out to find the engineers and discovered they were like E.T. or something and gone, oh, this isn't worth it. Because <laughs> if it, all that's going on in a cave painting... Well, if... if for all it knew, the engineers could be... Well, anything. if Shaw can deduce that, I'm sure that... Um... Oh, yeah, I can get the location, but just... No, like, I mean I mean the intention. Like, know the nature of the engineers, what they are. Well, they must have figured it out somewhere. But, uh, I mean, that's, that's what I took from it anyway, that it was... It was going for this ancient race that was responsible for the creation of of multiple other races. The story actually starts to focus on on Galgo at this point, who's been well, has been a bit of a dick, hasn't he? Really, um, you know, he abandoned Angela, then he abandoned Francis, and throughout the Predator series, he also um, fucks over the crew that he took with him, you know, and you end up with this knobhead of a character somehow teaming up with a predator on a um, on a bit of a vent well not a vengeance hunt on his on his last big hunt before he uh, calls it quits and retires because that 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 was um, the intention behind um, Ahab was that it was some old predator on his way out yeah. well I'm, I'm not quite sure he was retiring because at the end of the comic 
they nod to him saying he's been keeping busy and you see him fighting like another species on the planet. Yeah. So I think it's implied that the time that they're marooned on LB-223, he keeps on hunting other things there. I think it's suggested that he, you know, he's looking for something bigger and better, so something to give meaning to his life. I think that's the implied meaning. But, um, yeah, he's definitely still active once it's all up. So, spoiler alert. Well, what about Galgirl then? Him becoming the focus of of this particular um, story. Did did we get on with him as a main character, considering how he'd been developed throughout the other ones? I mean, it was it was an interesting relationship between him and, and Ahab, but I mean, he was still a bastard. I mean, he uses uh, one of his former friends as bait and blows him out of an airlock. So. There's only so much you can like a character like that, but um, I guess that's kind of a common theme in the Alien universe. It's kind of like people are not these like these perfect characters you might see in other franchises. They're a little bit more human. Um, but I mean, even even that considering, Galgo is, is a, a particular bastard. So um, I can't say he was my favorite character in the series. Definitely not. Well, I think it was an interesting choice because um, of a lead character for the Predator segment, if you will, um, because it uh, because up to then it had been, you know, people being people and it got to the Predator segment and Predators are all about, you know, um, you know, selfish, self-involvement. It's all about glorifying for the nature of the hunt. And instead of switching it to a typical hero, we had an anti-hero. And uh, and the art also takes a complete shift in style and tone. So I think the choice of an anti-hero, even though he, you know he's forced into it by circumstances into the um, role he inhabits in that story, it was interesting for it being an anti-hero who had to um, be compared to the Predator character instead of someone like Machiko, who we're used to being, you know, someone who's sacrificing herself for the good of the you know, the spaceship crew or the colony or whatever, and they're having to do this in a heroic way like um, the character on the first AVP film did. And this guy, he's just out for, you know, for himself. He's he's basically like Burke, if Burke was a security guy. Um, so I think being an anti-hero, it, it gave it an interesting, rarely seen tone to it. Um, which yeah, it did. It didn't feel like they just did it for the heck of it. It's an interesting shift of tone as a to choose an anti-hero to lead that story, as opposed to the usual kind of character we get, where it is a character who has to um, team up with a predator even begrudgingly. Mm. It, it also um, it's kind of straightforward, but his his development throughout that um, made a lot of sense because you know the the other issues are setting him up as this very self-confident selfish survivor and then he yeah. ends up being thrust in this situation where he does have to um think about others i mean primarily ends up being the predator um which i thought was also quite interesting considering all this selfishness that he displayed throughout the series it ends up being a predator that's the one he wants to risk his life for uh, they did have, they did end up having quite an interesting little dynamic, especially like the campfire stuff where they sort of bonding over, I say bonding with quotation marks, um, you know, over past hunts and encounters and stuff like that. 
Which was definitely an interesting moment. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, that side of it didn't quite work so well for me. There, there, there were points in the Predator story where it, okay, they weren't exactly buddy-buddy, but I prefer if there is some kind of team-up for a, a Predator not to, for it to just... It didn't feel as begrudging as I would have liked it to at certain points. I'm not sure quite how to describe that, but like especially at the end, it I would have preferred it for the. the it felt like almost like there was a pseudo friendship there. Um, I'm not sure if there was, but it. It was a little bit too much of that for my liking. Personally. How you reached up. Yeah, I mean, I overall I thought the Predator comic was one of the strongest ones, if if not the strongest. One of the things I really liked was the art style. I thought it was pretty sketchy and kind of retro. It harkened back to some of the older uh, comics. Overall, though, I thought uh, I really liked how they developed Ahab. How you you did get to see flashbacks and and see some of his previous hunts and why this was kind of the ultimate prize for him to pursue. And I thought when he finally did get to the engineer it was a good payoff you know it was it was a good fight and galgo helped him eventually defeat it so overall yeah i mean all around i thought it was probably the strongest comic out of out of the series yeah it's definitely in terms if we're going to compare each of them they've all got you know their pros and cons i would say this the predator segment was it stood out on its own. It had more of a cohesive focus, and especially it, it had an actual ending which felt like an ending, even though it was part of a series, whereas the others, they, they could be either anticlimactic or it just kind of left you hanging and you were wondering, wait, am I missing a page here? Whereas the Predator story, it, it had a definite conclusion to it, even though it, was, it would continue with the characters, it felt satisfying. And um, the artwork is a definite change in pace. It's not, you know, good or bad. It feels like a comic more than like the Prometheus one, where it felt very artistic, so to speak. Whereas th this one felt it, you got more of an um, impression of like dynamic. Yes, yeah, it's, it's very frantic, part. I thought. It was very yeah, action based. But you definitely got, where you have characters moving, you, you, you do get the impression of actual movement and speed in this one. Mm, completely agree. Yeah. It felt primal, like Predators should, mm. so I guess it, it made you feel more in that mindset of a Predator. And like you said, it did have it, pretty much the only one to have a definitive ending, um, which I actually found quite frustrating about the others, um, because they were supposed to be... And I, I understand they're obviously part of a big overarching story, but they were supposed to be their own series. Um, yeah. And, you know, when you just have one just to be continued it was sort of like that was a bit jarring of an end yes um, but then again it was all supposed to pay off in um, Omega which was which was the conclusion of the series and it was a 32 or 30 something page um, sort of like big um, big one off I think it was 42 pages 42. wasn't it? Uh, it, it, was, it was a big it was an excessive yeah. 40 it was a big one 44 44 pages. And it was it was under the Prometheus brand as well. And well, what did we think? I thought it felt it fell short in the end. 
Yeah, definitely. It was it was really anticlimactic. I think it could have used probably twice the length, to be honest. I think that it led up to all this mystery, and, and there was this big reveal that was this mountain uh, throughout the whole series. This is a bit of a, a major spoiler here, but it's implied that the mountain is – you find out that it's a, a living mountain um, and that it was the deacon from Prometheus. They, they find the signal of um, the escape pod from the film, um, but I guess it, the deacon just mutated and grew around it into this mountain. And uh, Eldon ends up sacrificing himself and, and gets absorbed by the mountain to delay its like collapse while they're inside of it so they can escape. Yeah, he somehow um, becomes like a, a mural-esque thing on the side of a wall, a lot like you see in the original Prometheus, where it's that deacon-like mural. He becomes a mural in himself. Which made very little sense to me. Exactly, exactly yeah. I, I just went, oh, this is interesting. Wait, what? And that's the honest reaction you get when you see that. Mm. And it did also feel quite rushed as well, I thought. As in, the the the, the comic, the, the the Omega issue. Um, you know, they had to deal with the aliens that were on the planet, and they had to deal with Ahab, and they had to deal with this big mountain mystery. And, you know, Ridgetop, you've said that you got the connotation that it was the, it was the Deacon, but it's never... It's not expressed. This is. That's not 100%. Yeah. It's like a speculative theory. And again, that's, that's another aspect of, of the Prometheus ambiguity that's just fucking covering the entire series. I don't get the feeling it was rushed. The, the problem with, with it is that it's stuffed full of filler. And then when it comes to... It, the whole Omega itself was hyped as the one that would explain everything. So up to that point, you were thinking, oh, this is weird, this is weird. Oh, but there's Omega. Okay, clearly this is all set up. This is where we pay off. And you don't get payoff. It's, um, you have weird stuff in it loaded on top of weird stuff. Like I said earlier about um, the aliens don't get mutated. There is a section where the, there is a queen alien and we see she has got mutated. Well, I never took it that she was supposed to be mutated. Well, yeah, they, they talk about it. Um, they say that the queen was affected by that and yes. outgrew herself so that she couldn't escape that okay. ship. I, I guess I missed they that, then. I, yeah, she just, like, stuffed the room full up of uh, I, I took it to be she'd just grown fat. Um, but fair enough, if I've, if, if I've missed that, I've missed it. <laughs> No, 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 they do say it in dialect, but she, you can tell she's not just normal queen. She has literally become like a gigantic... But it's, I don't know if it's meant to be implying this, but it seems the way they did it, that explanation with the Deacon Mountain, it was implying she is becoming like the Deacon, she's becoming a mountain. But it, because it, they never explained why the hell the Deacon would become a mountain, it doesn't make sense. And um, they even they go through this mountain, and it's like... At some point, something comes like they're in its body, I suppose, because they say, oh, it's body fluids and it's acid or whatever, but it's like, you know, rivers of the stuff or whatever. And they get out the mountain. This is the weird thing about it. The whole thing deals with they go in the mountain, they think, oh, the mountain could be a thing, and then they come out the mountain, and that's it. That's the whole story. They go in the mountain, they come out the mountain. There's, there's no explanation. They're not rescued. Nothing happens. Mm. That, that, 
they ask the question, that's it. That's why I say it's not. It's just they filled it up with things they didn't have to fill it up mm. with. And asked questions that they weren't going to give the answer to. Yeah, it's just a search for more questions. It is not what they promised. This would be where we get answers, or at least things we had seen earlier, they would make sense, which would be very nice. If they, There are series where that happens, where you see something earlier that doesn't make sense. You see it in a different light, they put a different spin on it, and all of a sudden, you, something you had seen, all of a sudden it makes sense. Nothing like that happened, and this is just literally, they go into a mountain, they come out of a mountain, and that is all that happens. And I think that's the series overhaul, really. You said it feels like nothing happens. And, and that's a problem that I had with the entire Fire and yeah. Stone series. Spend a lot of time doing nothing. And it's it it's the same sort of Prometheus feeling as well, you know, um, as in the film. Stuff happens, questions are raised, but ultimately I feel like I've just spent a couple of hours doing fuck all day. And and that, that's that's my biggest problem with the series because it gives me a very sort of lethargic feel about it. Um, to the point where it's just sort of like I, I struggled with um, with wanting to really give feedback on the series because of the way it makes me feel. It's like, oh, that's a waste of fucking time. Yeah, I, th- I think the problem with it is that being a writer myself, there's like an old adage where if you see a, a, a rifle above a fireplace in Act 1, by Act 2 or 3 someone needs to fire the rifle otherwise it's just there for the sake of it that's what we get that rule keeps being broken throughout fire and stone like as we said earlier there's this laboratory of all these insane creations they go into it and then they go out of it nothing happens with it so they throw up a lot of interesting plot devices or things they could have done something like profound with or and what happens is they either bypass it completely or it feels like they kind of squander the potential. And that even goes for the had the survivors in the Alien series. You know, they're from Hadley's Hope. There was no real but point of that, yeah. It was the point of having them from Hadley's Hope, yeah. It was just like, the, it was just well, it, um, you all, know, main recognition. All that, that served it. for was that issue one bombshell moment. Yeah. yeah. Which was nice. It was a, a very nice reveal saying, oh, that's from Hadley's Hope, but you actually see the payoff, and it's more of a damp squib. Which, again, that series is just... Nothing happens. That series serves to give um, a bit of a shortcut for Prometheus when it's like, oh, maybe this cures cancer kind of thing. And it is a shame, because there is some... Especially the (laughs) ecosystem. Stuff. They come up with some really nice stuff throughout it, but I just wish they'd done something with it, or it would have felt like there was more of a plan there. I honestly felt there were whole sections they could have cut out and replaced it with more actual, you know, story sections which would have moved the different plot elements ahead. But um, it, it, it comes to a point and then it stops, and then they had Omega. And Omega was meant to be the one which answers everything, or at least puts a new perspective on it. And it doesn't. It's just like, okay, now what? And then it it feels like, let's get enough people to buy this so we'll do a sequel. And I, unfortunately, I've got a feeling the sequel will just be more of the same. That's if they even do and one. I, I hate to say that, because the art is beautiful. Mm. In I suppose we haven't really mentioned the art on Omega, which is 
simply gorgeous as well. The best. Yeah. Yeah. It's some, yeah. Best. it's some of the best I've seen in, in, in any Alien or Predator comic, yeah. to be honest. The artwork, and that's why I was so irritated that the comic was so short, was because the artwork was just incredible in that final issue. Um, yeah, I felt they kind of squandered it with the, the plot and how anticlimactic it was. But, I mean, overall, I thought the comic series, even if it had a number of shortcomings, it was, it was a good thing to get. I mean, we've never had a crossover like this in the franchise before. And, yeah, there, there were a lot of uh, irritating factors to it. But at the same time, it, it was a cool new thing. Um, I do hope that we kind of get some more comics. Dark Horse hasn't really been too active with the license as of late, but I hope we get some more comics that are more kind of their own contained stories like they used to do. Um, like with the original Alien and Predator, you know, there was no mention of Weyland Yutani. It was just kind of its own separate story. It's one of the things I've been a little bit worried about with the new novels and the comics and, you know, even isolation. It feels like Fox is trying too hard to kind of, make this like a Marvel universe where everything needs to be tied to each other rather than having its own separate stories in the same universe. And then just naturally coming together. To me, I like that because the alien expanded universe to me is that connected feel because, you know, book one, two, three genocide, we're all, they're all tied together and it all sort of sprang off of those, um, you know, those those story elements that were set up then. So that's never a feeling I've really I've really had. I've never felt that that sort of connectedness didn't work. Um, I mean, I can I can see where you're coming from because there are in terms of self-contained stories because there are a lot, but there's also this um, genesis of you know the, this um, connected continuity that aliens had since inception as far as i'm concerned no i mean i think some degree of of connectedness in the content continuity is is cool it's interesting um but at the same time i worry like especially with the novels that they're just going to try and inject all these new little story elements like the marines uh, hadley's hope yeah, well, or uh, the fact that ripley had an an adventure in between the time she was asleep in Alien and Aliens that it'll just feel too forced into the previous continuity rather than giving new stories their own chance to kind of explore different Well, that's a different kettle of fish, though, isn't it? I mean, the the thing about Ripley and that is... um, I wouldn't say it's, it's necessarily a product of this connectedness. It's a product of them being unwilling to move away from Ripley or um, what they perceive to be the successful elements um, like like yeah. these friggin colonial marines who were present at Hadley's Hope um, I, th- I think that's a whole other problem rather than this notion of a, you know connected universe like Marvel have um, but, but Marvel have like some or at least as I understand it they have some kind of overarching game yeah. plan Whereas with these, it feels more like they're trying to make up some kind of vague excuse to have some kind of crossover elements. 
um, instead of having it serve the story. And I think as we've just reviewed through all of these, the one which works the best is the Predator one, and that is the most self-contained one. It has links to stuff that's going on in the series in general, but it, that you don't feel like obligated to read, the rest, read yeah. them as much as when you're reading like Aliens or Prometheus. With the Predator one, it's relatively self-contained. Mm. I think it work, they, these things, they always work better like in that way and if they happen to come together nicely great because then it's just it's just natural cohesion but when you're you think oh right we've got x and y okay let's have z and make and hope that a b and c works itself out that feels a little too muddled yeah. to me it, it has it, to work it, on its own it feels like an excuse to mm. make money but that's that's even the old the older ones while they're still a connected universe they do all function on their own um, so yeah. yeah, I'm completely, I'm completely so with I, you I there. I think what, I, yeah, I think what I'm trying to say really is, if we had had like the artwork of Prometheus with the um, the di- the sense of direction and the self-contained nature of Predator, if they had all kind of like aimed for that that mixture, I think the series as a whole would have benefited yeah. much more. Yeah. Completely agree there. So yeah, I think we've covered everything, haven't we? Yeah. Um, I mean, there has been talk of, of some of the creators about a, a sequel. Um, I would expect they'd probably do it around a little bit after Prometheus Two comes out. Um, I know there's a hardcover coming out that collects all of these volumes together that should be coming out this fall. Um, so that should be a good set to get as well. Doesn't that that um, meant to have some extra material in it as well? Yeah, some behind the scenes. I haven't stuff, read about I think. that. Some, I'd, I'd heard some somewhat. Someone mentioned like eighty pages of it, but I don't know whether that's um, legit. Or not. There's very few details have actually come out about yeah. it. I know there's supposed to be some added behind the scenes stuff, but. Yeah, I don't know if it's pure behind like concept art or if it's actual added story that had to be cut out. I suppose we'll find out, won't we? Right. Yeah, it might actually make it look like a much better story if it is. Yeah, I mean they did have to redo big elements of the story, so if they included some of that and like the special features, that would be cool. Anyway, you were saying you were saying about about doing a sequel. Right, uh, I'm, I was just saying when it's expected to come out, I would guess it would be a, around after Prometheus 2 comes out. I don't think they would do it before then if they did another fire instead. Well, they were on about having to rethink stuff from um, the Alien Camp announcement as well. Oh. So maybe, maybe not well, even then. I didn't, think they were I didn't think they were already working on it. Yeah, so. um, they, it was a comment Randy Stradley, I think, had put up about it um, after the announcement. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Which caused them to rethink what they were doing, but who, who knows what the state of the uh, franchise? I think they, I think they said like. it, they didn't have to change much, but they did have to change something. I just have to see how they play on with it. It would be interesting to see if, because I remember, I think Dark Horse did the adaptations of Alien Three and Alien Resurrection. Whether we'll we might be in for an adaptation of Alien Five when it comes Maybe. out. Maybe they did Predators as well. Yes, yes, they did. It, it should be interesting if they do. It, it, it yeah. would be really nice to actually see more comics from them. I mean... Yeah. Um, I, I think as a whole, it was an interesting experiment, but um, I, I think it need more of a, a... They needed to go over the story and make it more cohesive. Mm. Yeah. 
And I just hope they have actually learned what they needed to from it because I would I would love further stuff like this. I would I would love more um, continuity stuff or just more series in general. To be honest, it's just, it's just a shame that, it, that the some of the artwork was beautiful and yet the characterization story it felt like you know really low standard. I'd, it's unfortunate that as a whole it felt very style over substance. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, unfortunately, that's how it feels. But um, yeah, if they can get the story and characterisation right next time, great. Um, but I really don't want it to be more of the same. It needs to change direction. Uh, agreed. Yeah, the story shouldn't be bound by uh, potential plot elements of a future movie. Yeah, I think they should they should go out there a little bit more and do their own stories personally. Uh, which was the biggest problem was was them being scared to stand on any toes, especially when they've got this whole whole universe of story elements that they could have played from. Like we've said, like we said earlier, even even with the the laboratory, you just need to pick a direction that would be less obstructed, uh, less obstructed by anything that was coming out. Yeah, be be a little more inventive with what they have got to play with instead of just filling it with filler. Yeah, yeah. that's the problem. They like the laboratory. They could have they could have sent set a whole issue in it. Like they could have like a floor could have fallen through and they'd have found themselves in the laboratory. And they could have had a whole issue which dealt with just that laboratory, but it was it was just over and they didn't do anything with it if they can that's what i loved about farscape when it was on tv they were so inventive with the situations and things they had to hand and they were forced to because they found themselves in really shitty situations but i loved how they did that on that tv show and they need to have more of that in comics like these so should we call that one yeah i think that about covers the fire and stone discussion a whole two plus uh, hours of it yeah this has been one of our longer podcasts so if you've made it through we definitely appreciate you listening and uh uh this one we also had our number of technical difficulties so um spare with us on those and we're still improving this thing if you guys have any ideas for the podcast uh just feel free to to hit us up on the podcast thread in the forum and let us know uh any topics you want us to discuss or anything like that we, sh- we should have a couple of um, community interviews coming up over the next couple of episodes, um, as well as we're going to start to look at some of the uh, unused scripts, um, yes. which I'm actually quite looking forward to. Um, currently planned is uh, Peter Briggs's um, first draft of Aliens vs Predator, and at some point after that we'll also be talking John Spates's Alien Engineers before that became the incoherent mess that was Prometheus. We love that. It was a pretty film. Um, but yeah, so plenty of stuff planned. Um, thanks for listening. Um, you can also um, follow us on Facebook, um, just AVP Galaxy, or Twitter. But, um, the um, Facebook page is a bit more active, so any, any comments as well you can throw up on there get in touch with us Um, and once again thanks for listening see you in the forum so uh, this is Corporal Hicks and Rich Stop and Xenomorphic signing off